Hello and welcome to the Infinite Love Podcast. This is a place where we share how love can transform negative emotions and pain into strength. We talk about all things related to love, positivity, and kindness. And I am your host, Corinne Kamara. Hello and welcome to episode 18, From Mystery Illness to Mast Cell 360. Today we're talking to Beth O'Hara. She's a functional naturopath specializing in chronic immune conditions related to mast cell activation syndrome and histamine intolerance. She's the founder and owner of Mast Cell 360, a functional naturopathy practice designed to look at all the factors surrounding health conditions, genetic, epigenetic, biochemical, physiological, environmental, and emotional. Beth was terribly ill with mold toxicity and mast cell activation syndrome to where she had to use a cane to walk by the time she was 28 and eventually was bedridden. She learned a variety of things and in the process, she had to learn self-love and self-compassion. Her biggest passion in life is taking that nightmare she lived and using it to help others who are chronically ill with mold toxicity and mast cell activation syndrome regain their health and live faster and easier than it took her so that they have a guiding light and no longer have to walk this path alone. In today's episode, Beth opens up to us and shares how she transformed her life and others. And let's get into today's episode. Hi, welcome to the Infinite Love Show. I'm so excited today because we get to speak to Beth. And Beth is an amazing doctor and she's going to tell us all about her work. Welcome, Beth. Oh, thank you so much, Corrine. I've actually been looking forward to this all week. And um, I just love your energy and I love your show. So it's a pleasure to be here. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. So we usually start out the show talking about a love lesson. And a love lesson is a painful transformation that happened in your life that was a catalyst into the work that you presently do for yourself and for your community. And what is your love lesson? Wow. Um, I'm thinking where to start. From a very young age, I was a very a driven young person. And I had my eyes set on going to medical school from the time I was six. And that was my whole world. And I didn't know anything about self-care And I actually didn't fully understand a whole lot about um, importance of relationships. And I mean, really everything I did was academic and it was about getting scholarships, getting to medical school. But when I was a young girl, my family moved to an old farmhouse in the country and I started getting these mysterious health issues nobody could figure out. And went doctor to doctor and was on different medications, allergy medications and histamines and mast cell stabilizers. And I just kind of kept puttering along. And I'm one of those people that life knocks me down. I'm going to get up and keep going. And I kept going and I got into college and I was still pretty driven and overly driven. I was doing way too much. And I was working three jobs and working jobs I didn't have qualifications to work, which was stressful and um, trying to get money to make ends meet, to get money together to go to medical school and all these things. And um, 
really driving myself too hard and I crashed badly. And I got to where I couldn't get out of bed. And I did get that scholarship to medical school that I wanted so badly. And it's hard to remember, like, it's hard to tell a story sometimes. And then your presence just like really brings me to it. But um, I had to turn that scholarship down because I got so, so ill. And Karina, I didn't have a backup plan. I didn't know what else to do with my life. And I had not fostered community because I didn't. And I, some people who follow me know that I'm on the spectrum and I'm on the Asperger's end. So that part doesn't come naturally, like relationships and connections and community. And so it was doubly hard for, for me. But when I crashed so hard and I couldn't go, I knew something had to change in my life and that set me on this journey of what that is and what that was going to be and by chance I was taking a yoga class because I had health issues and I'd have a PE credit to graduate and it was the one thing I thought I could do and so um, it was the hardest thing I'd ever done in my life because school came very easily to me but presence and meditation and and this wasn't like um this was an Iyengar yoga class which was um quite intensive in terms of a very specific in terms of self-development and and looking at yourself not just doing some exercises but that was exactly what i needed And it got me started on shifting my life and got me started on self-observation and realizing that I didn't love myself. And I realized if I didn't love myself, how would other people, how could I ever expect other people to love me? Right. And that was a hard realization. But um, after that, I I just, I I actually hated yoga. (laughs) (laughs) Because it was really painful for me, emotionally, mentally. And I had these injuries. I'd had a spine injury, a head injury. And my body was a painful place to be in. And my strategy had been to avoid that at all, avoid being in my body at all costs. Mm -hmm. And this made me be in my body and realize how hard I was and kind of mean. I was mean, really mean to myself. And... um, it was the beginning of shifting that. And from there, I got into reading Eckhart Tolle and um, looking at how we can be in the now. And if we're in the now, everything's okay in this moment. And just that little piece got me so far, really far. And then uh, it just unfolded from there. So instead of becoming the, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. That was my ambition, which is one of the hardest things to do. And instead of becoming a neurosurgeon, I became a chronically ill patient and a yoga therapist. And um, no one can figure my health out. And I, by the time I was 28, I had to walk with a cane. I, I could barely hobble with a cane. I was very sick. And there were points in my life I wasn't sure if I would make it. Yeah. And I had a lot of doctors 
either tell me the good ones said, I'm sorry, I don't know how to help you. I've never seen anybody like this. And the ones that were afraid to say, I don't know, told me that I was crazy or I wanted to be sick. And so eventually I realized um, I had, I, I had the pre-med background and I had the interest in health. And if I was going to make it, I needed to learn this and I needed to figure it out for myself. And that's what I focused on. And I poured myself any, any ounce of brain injury, I ha energy I had, or any kind of just physical stamina I had, I poured into figuring out my health. And it took me years, but I slowly got my health back and put some pieces together and realized I had mold toxicity. I had Lyme. I had Bartonella. And I had all these other issues, problems with histamines and oxalates and just piece by piece it came together. And then uh, it was so dramatic, people who hadn't seen me in two or three years, and they saw me just barely making it and I couldn't hardly walk. And then they saw me walking and I still wasn't great, but they saw me walking easily and they saw me having more energy and vibrance they just, people kind of started coming and asking me, can, what did you do? Can you help me? And all along this time, I had studied other things. So I had become a life coach and was teaching a system called the Enneagram, which is a great oh, yeah. system for self-awareness and self-development. I love that system. Me too. And, um, and then they, um, it just kind of morphed into health coaching and I had this grief and you, that's what came up was this grief of this loss of this dream that I had to be this neurosurgeon. I'd still had that grief of this dream I had lost. And as I got my health back, I thought, I've, I've got these other options. I, I can do all kinds of things. What do I want? And I got my master's in marriage and family therapy Um. I, for people who are confused with me saying I'm on the spectrum, I spent years working on facial expression and voice modulation and body language. So I learned, I had to learn that like some people learn calculus. It took me a long time to put those pieces in place. And I, I learned to love myself. And I worked at that quite a lot and loving myself. And that was part of my healing also. And then working on my master's, I realized my true love is healthcare. And so I finished that master's and then I went straight into my doctorate as um, in naturopathy. And that's where mast cell 360 was born. And because I had learned I had a mast cell disorder and I, it's called mast cell 360 because my journey was the whole spectrum. Right. And I had made all the wrong turns and tried just doing supplements. And that was what I focused on just genetics and biochemistry. And I, at one point gave up on that because it wasn't helping and I was reacting to everything. So then I did just the emotional work and I did nervous system work and these kinds of things, but it didn't get me there. And then finally I realized, oh, you have to put them all together. And when we take care of all aspects of ourselves, that's where we heal. When we take care of the biochemical and the toxicity and the how we talk to ourselves and are we loving ourselves and are we um, 
taking care of our spiritual self and our nervous system. And, and that's what I created. And really I created the, the, the dream practice I wish I had found on my journey. And when I, when I was struggling and that's, that's what we do. And then we work to bring that to every person that we come into contact with. Thank you so much for sharing. That's a really powerful story. And I commend you for your tenacity and advocating for your own health, because I feel like a lot of people that suffer from chronic illness that don't have that tenacity and also the intellect and the energy to research and figure out answers tend to fall into victimhood and never feel like they can get better and get hopeless. So it's amazing. Well, I can tell you I did as well. I, I fell into it as well at times. And I had a husband who loved me very much. And even though sometimes I had a hard time seeing why <laughs> along that journey, but, um, and I, I always had this, I, I tell people, I always had this core piece of me that knew there were puzzle pieces out there. And if I could just find the right ones and just get them to interlock, and I just had this vision of it that I, I would unlock my health. And I don't know, I knew that to my bones the whole time, even when I, the days I gave up or the yeah. times that I, you know, was in despair. You never gave up. I, I would give up temporarily. I never gave up permanently. <laughs> yeah. I would have temper tantrums. <laughs> I was human. <laughs> I'm yeah, still human. I think- I think we all have those moments, but the underlying core is still there. Yeah. The core and, was there. That. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, so now you work with clients. Do, is it just for mast cell? And what exactly is mast cell syndrome for those that don't know? Yeah. So mast cell activation syndrome is actually one of the most common and under-recognized health conditions out there. And it's one of the things that's important in thinking about it is that healthcare is set up, the gold standard, it's called, you're hitting the gold standard if you can help 80% of people who walk in the door. That's the general across the board. If your approach is help 80% of people. But what about those 20%? And that's who I was. 20%, nothing worked on. Well, mass cell activation syndrome is an immune condition that happens when we're bombarded with toxins, with chronic illnesses, with or chronic infections, with stress. And any of those can set it off. And we live in such a toxic world, toxin-wise, mold, electromagnetic fields, toxic news, you know, toxic stress, all of this. And our mast cells are like our frontline defenders of our body. And they're there to sense if something's wrong. Well, we live in a world that is out of balance and we have things coming at us that we've never had historically. And so we've never had these all these cell phones and laptops. We've also never had the level of mold issues that we have, the levels of chemical toxins. And so what happens is they get dysregulated and they set off chronic inflammation. And they are like at the core of communication to their parts of the body. So the rest of the immune system, 
to the nervous system, hormone system, in the gut, in the brain, they're involved in sleep, all these things. So when they get dysregulated, you get these spectrums of symptoms, like you might get allergy symptoms, gut symptoms and gut issues, but a whole nother person might have um, some trouble breathing, chest tightness, heart palpitations and trouble sleeping or anxiety. Or... So there's a lot of ways it can show up and that can make it confusing. But we've got a symptom survey on the website if people want to check it out and go, hey, I'm I'm one of that 20%. I keep falling through the cracks. Nobody's figured me out. Mm-hmm. And the key to it is to find what are the root triggers. So mold is a very common one. Lyme, Bartonella, these are very common. And many of the treatments, SIBO, all of these things, many of the ways that they're being addressed is very aggressive. And it actually makes the mast cell activation worse. So this approach is about doing it very differently for those people who the standard protocols aren't working for. We have to dial it back and go, let's dial down the nervous system. Let's work on calming the nervous system. Let's calm those mast cells. And then we detox very slowly and gently. So it's a different way of coming at these things that people are doing but it may not be working for people who are, say, sensitive or like me can yeah. fall into the cracks. So when you say detox, do you, are you talking about like supplements or food or both? Well, it depends. I, I do a root cause analysis with everybody that comes in and um, there's quite a lot that goes into it. So it's, you know, very extensive review of the health history, what's been looked at. I see myself as a detective. And I want to see what has been tried, what's been looked at, and what stones has no one thought to turn over yet. Not that I'm perfect and I find them all. I, you know, I but I I find usually the big ones, which are the mold, the lime, the bartonella, these kinds of things. And then when we're talking about supplements, we we start with the gentle mast cell calming supplements, and these are going to be things like quercetin. Now everybody can take it, quercetin. So sometimes we've got to shift course and do things people haven't heard of, like perilla seed extract. And I have some people are so sensitive, they can't do any supplements. And we might try baking soda. And if they can't do that, then we go to, we've got to calm the nervous system because the nervous system and the mast cells are really intertwined. And if one is out of balance, the other is going to be. So we work on like vagal nerve signaling and limbic balancing. Okay. Wow. So this is a completely, not completely different, but it's looking at it individually. So it's individual case by case. It's yes. It's very personalized. It's very individualized. Um, I have a presentation that I do for practitioners called, it's called precision mycotoxin detoxification, like really how do you individualize that? And I like to think about it in terms of my whole practice. It's like precision healthcare, exactly what Mm -hmm. is your body needing with where you are at this point in time, your history, your unique circumstances, your genetics, your family situation, your health factors, your root causes, what do you need and how do we guide you through it? So I don't have any, I have I have big picture 
steps, but I don't have any individual, I don't have any written protocols where I can just hand it to somebody. People email me all the time and say, what's your protocol for mass activation syndrome? And I say, I can't give you one because it depends on what happens for the person. Well, that's why I feel like it's so complicated to just go to a generic person because they want to give you like a cookie cutter diagnosis and prognosis. And that's not always the case for everyone. That's why I love acupuncture and alternative medicine because it's so flexible and you can work with people. Well, I say um, one, if somebody has a general practice, it's that's a very smart way to run a general practice is to have, this is how I do it. And mm-hmm. it's the methodical and you do the same things for everybody. Right. And it's so much easier on the practitioner. So I can understand why people do it that way. And again, it works for most of the people come in the door. Right. And I also tell people, I have a lot of people have been injured by Western medicine and I was too. And I, you know, a lot of people have medical traumas and I had a lot myself. But where I go is we have to always think about what's the right tool for this job. And Western medicine excels at if somebody's in a car accident and their spleen ruptures, Western medicine's going to save your life. I can't help. I can't help with that. Or if you have late stage diabetes and it's, you know, medications might help you save your feet from being amputated. Western medicine might save, save your feet. I'm not going to help. But then we have these chronic conditions that just take a lot of time to unpack. People are with me usually a minimum of a year, generally more like two to five years, because it just takes time. And that's a whole different way of doing it. And if you work with insurance and you've got 15 minutes per person, it's that's not possible. So it's just not the right tool for that job. Right. Yeah. Well, let's get into some of the infinite love questions. Okay, that sounds good. (laughs) So how do you use love in your work? Love is what drives me to do this, to do what I do. Um, It's a, it's a challenging population that I work with. And it's, it's challenging mentally. It's challenging emotionally of people who are really sick. And um, what drives me is that if I can take the nightmare that I went through and all of the wrong turns I made and all of the suffering that I went through, and I can use it to just help one more person get there faster. And it was worth it. And how do you, how is your work used to serve humanity? I think about that. This is an interesting question, especially right now, because there's so much happening in the world. And I had a dear friend email me and she said, I'm not doing well. I am so triggered by everything that's happening politically and I think it's, um, we're in this traumatic space culturally. And I loved, the the one thing I remembered out of the book, the the Seven Habits of Highly Successful People by Stephen Covey, was he talked about your circle of concern, your circle of influence. 
And if your circle of concern is bigger than your circle of influence, you'll suffer. Mm. And I really held on to that. And so as I'm watching, and I'm just, I know you can tell I'm just a deeply emotional person and, and I feel everything and, and I feel everything in the world. And so with all of this stuff that's going on, the way that I'm staying okay is that I'm remembering what can I influence? What can I change? And if I can help one more mom get her health back, then she's going to raise her child to be the child that changes our government. Or if I can help one more person who um, works in a company and I can help them be as healthy as they can be, they can make change in that company. Or if I can help somebody, I, I get a lot of healthcare practitioners who come see me. If I can help one physician be healthier and I can show her some ways that they can, she can work and, and kind of open some doors, they, she takes that into her practice and I can support. So it all trickles out. And that's, that's what I focus on is how can I help change the world person by person? And this is a, a side question because I got, I was thinking about what you were saying that you feel everything because I, I would assume mm -hmm. you're an empath, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I was just yeah. curious because I've noticed in my practice that a lot of the clients I have that have autoimmune disorders are also empaths. Do you find that to be true mm -hmm. in your practice? That's a really good question. Um, I do, I, I would say it's mixed. Mm -hmm. I would say that I don't have a good comparison group of empaths who don't have health conditions uh, other than my, my circle of friends. Yeah. But um, I have noticed, so I don't know that I can comment on that a whole lot, but I have noticed that a very high percentage of people in my practice have had early childhood traumas. And I did as well. And I wonder if that, I don't know, but I wonder if that influences people to be empaths. I was kicked in the head by a horse when I was nine and I had a brain injury Whoa. and I had out-of-body experiences. And that was part of my health journey that I left out earlier. But um, after that, everything was different. And I saw all the suffering in people. And I couldn't see it before. I don't know why that changed, but it changed during that. And I think, I think suffering can do two things for us. It can harden us and make us cold, make us jaded and cl close us down. Or it can be like hollowing out a wooden block into a cup that can hold more and more love and beauty. Yes. And somehow we go one road or another. I don't know what makes the fork in the road, but that that's what I see and what I notice. Yeah. What do you see? What do you see with autoimmune and empaths? Well, I see a lot of the empaths that I come encounter that are in my in my client base, but also my friends that either they had a very traumatic childhood, something emotionally happened, mm -hmm. they were sexually assaulted, abused, etc., or they have really chronic illnesses that they've had for many years not necessarily debilitating but 
like Lyme's or chronic fatigue or digestive disorders, or they're always dealing with something. And I always Mm -hmm. wonder if it's because we're so sensitive that we're processing so much on multiple levels that our body goes through more than the average person that doesn't feel as much. So it's just like an antidote, yeah. I'm just kind of like questioning it. And I just always kind of try, trying to see the patterns of why I find that highly sensitive people go through so much more physically than and emotionally than the person that is not as sensitive. Yeah, I think there is a developmental piece and there's a genetic piece. There are actually some genes that are linked with empathy and increased oh, really? motor neurons in the frontal cortex. And maybe it's a combination of these things. Yeah, it's just interesting. I mean, because, you know, empaths kind of stick together. (laughs) So all my my friends are empaths. Not all of them, but like 95% of them are. And so it's just really interesting just to notice the difference between all of us and just kind of like what we go through. And yeah. Yeah. And we have to learn boundaries and self-care even more. Yeah, the self-care is key. Like for me, self-care, it's like number one every day. Because if I don't, then I break down essentially. And then I can't perform the way I want to perform for people. Yeah. So my third question is, what does it mean to you personally to be a positive force of goodness in the world? Hmm. To me, that, that, that means that well, one, I'm not always, I'm human. And, um, and I think, and I say that because sometimes when I share my heart, then sometimes people think, oh, well, I just, I'm always peace and sunshine. And that's not true. (laughs) But, um, and I think, I think that that's part of it is owning my humanity and being gentle with myself. And if I can be gentle and be understanding of my humanity, then I can be understanding of other people's humanities. And I have a lot of people who they just, they have limbic dysregulation and they get, I'll bring up, you know, okay, we need to test your home for mold. And they get very scared. Mm -hmm. And if I can hold that space for them of compassion and, and, and I think that that's, that's what I attempt to bring to, to everything that we do. I'm not perfect. And, um, but yeah. that's my work is my mission. And right. I try to bring that to the world. Beautiful. So what do you love most about your life? I love that I got my health back and I'm 42 this, I'm, I'm 42 right now as we're recording this. And um, I am healthier and more vibrant than I've ever been. And each year I'm healthier and more vibrant. And I love that I can live my mission, mm-hmm. that I, I can fuel my passion and my, my mission brings together all of these elements of my life. And I can, I can bring those Anyway, that's, that's what it is. I love that I can live my mission and with this vibrance and I can have health. Right. And it, I have so much gratitude. I had severe insomnia and 
every night when I go to bed and I feel sleepy and I can tell I'm going to fall asleep, I just pull the covers up and go, I'm so grateful I can sleep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, insomnia is a trip. It really is. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> it's so bad. I don't, I'm, I'm grateful that I've never had too much insomnia, but whenever I do, I'm always like, this is like the, one of the worst feelings. Yeah. Of all the stuff, everything I went through, it was the worst. Mm-hmm. It was the hardest. Yeah. It's something about not having that rest that really, it, it, def- it agitates the nervous system so badly, not being able to have that, those moments of sleep. It's this big deal. It messes with your mood and your perception and everything is just crap and you know it's like everything looks awful right it's like you're living in a gray world um so the next question is when do you feel or how do you feel you receive love Mm. these are such good questions corinne i'm actually a two on the enneagram and these are like the core life path questions for type (laughs) two Is two the helper? Yes, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm a two. Sometimes it's called the helper, the giver. Are you? Okay, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so um, that that's my my self work is um, my unconscious belief is I have to take care of others' needs and my needs aren't important. And if I'm not taking care of other people, I'm not valuable. And so I work really hard at taking care of myself first. And that's not natural, but I think that's how I most receive love is when I give it to myself. And it took me a long time to realize that. And I, I learned a really important lesson being many important lessons, but one that I learned being sick was I, I had an even worse crash right after i my husband and I got married. And he traveled all the time. So he didn't, he traveled for work. So he didn't see the extent of my health issues. I told him because I thought I would try to prepare him, but he didn't really get it. And then he saw, I, I got really ill and I couldn't function and I couldn't shower. And I thought for sure, Corinne, he would leave me because I had nothing to give him. And I did have a community at that point, and I did have friends. And I, I remember writing this email to my friends, and oh my gosh, it was so hard to write because it was so humbling to have to say, I can't shower. I didn't mean to cry in this. Oh, it's okay. <laughs> but, um, I'm not usually this weepy. But it just came up today. <laughs> he, I think you're, you're asking the deep questions. So um, I reached out to my friends thinking that I wouldn't get very many answers. Corinne, so many people... So many people came and helped me. Yeah. And if I hadn't hit that rock bottom, I would have had no idea how much they loved me. Mm-hmm. I had no clue 
how much they loved me. And I had no idea how much my husband loved me until I was at that point where I had nothing to give him other than, I mean, faithfulness. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere. Yeah. That was all I had. And he stayed and, and my friends showed up and they came, somebody came twice a day and cooked for me and took care of me. And I know that there are a lot of people that don't have that community. And I was so grateful that I did. But I also, I don't think if I'd done the work, it would have ever occurred to me to reach out and ask. I would have just assumed nobody would have helped me. That's a big So problem. that was a powerful lesson. Yeah. yeah. That you were very much loved. Yeah. I and and then I and then I started able to love myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So when do you feel the most love? When I love myself. When I really focus on loving myself just as I am, you know, with all my flaws and I had some some gut issues and I had to take a medication and I just gained 15 pounds and I'm a little chunky right now and just loving myself being a little chunky and just um there's probably might feel a little embarrassed crying like this because I've never cried this much in a I mean, I might have a few tears. I've never been this emotional in a podcast. And so I'm working on it right now, just loving myself and just saying, hey, this is where you are right now. And this is yeah. the feelings that are coming up. And some people it's going to be too much for. And and some people it'll touch them. And it doesn't matter. I can love me right now. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for sharing your vulnerability. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Corinne. You you make this space for it. So that's thank you. That's why it's coming up. <laughs> and the last question, which is my favorite question, is where has love created a miracle in your life? Mm, that's a very good question. You know, in a way, I feel like my health journey. I guess it depends on how you want to define miracle, but um, I feel like it's, I feel like everyone who goes through what I went through is a miracle when we get to the other side. And it took a lot of love, both from outside of myself and inside of myself to get well. And then that love built everything that, that we've got with Mass Cell 360 and everything that we do for people that have been in the same boat that have been in. And um, I never dreamed that we would be doing what we're doing. I thought I would have just my practice and my dream was to be me and I would have uh, a full schedule. And that was, that was as much as I dreamed. And so to me, what the reach we have and the emails that we get from people and our Facebook community and our courses and all of this, to me, all of that's a miracle. Yeah. Well, I'm so grateful for you and the work that you're doing. How can people find you? Oh, thank you, Corinne. Um, they can go a couple places, mastcell360.com. It's M-A-S-T as in Tom, 
cell360.com. Got lots of free resources on there for people, symptom survey, foods list, blog posts. We've got a couple of low cost courses. And then we've got a Facebook community. And that's also, if you just go to Facebook, MassCell360, we're there. And we do Facebook Lives most Mondays. We have a lovely community, so loving and really supportive. So people are feeling alone um, or scared or stuck in their journey. Come join us. And you think you've got mast cell issues or you want to learn about mold or these kinds of things, come pop in our Facebook Lives and um, love to have people come join us there too. Wonderful. And I will put all your information in the show notes. So if people want to get more information, they can go there as well. And thank you so much for being on the show. I so appreciate you sharing your heart and your soul into this podcast and into the work that you do. You're so, you're so appreciated. And thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Corinne. I really appreciate you and just love, love your energy and the work that you're doing. It's really, I've watched a lot of your videos. It's really powerful. Thank you. I appreciate that. Well, I'm sending you lots of love. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe and tune in on Tuesdays for new episodes. For more information about me, please follow me on Instagram at Corinne J. Camara and my website, CorinneCamara.com. Sending you lots of infinite love.